Hi everybody, I'm Jeannie Faulkner and this is Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting and the Power to Change the World, CSP3. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy and Fit Pregnancies, Ask the Labor Nurse. I'm a nurse, a mom, a writer, an activist, a feminist, and now a podcaster. I'm in a unique and really fortunate position where I get to study, talk, and write about pregnancy and maternal health on all different levels, from the very personal one-on-one questions I get from new mothers and pregnant women around the world, to the broader subjects related to what it takes to make sure mothers have what they need to be healthy and to thrive as moms. I talk about a lot of that in my book, and we're going to talk a lot about that here on this podcast. So today I want to start out with talking about new numbers that came out this November from the World Health Organization in a report titled Trends in Maternal Mortality 1990-2015. to Maternal mortality uh, means mothers who die from pregnancy and childbirth-related conditions. So when this report came out, there's um, news that's really good and optimistic, and then there's news that's maybe not so good. The good news is that, on the whole, maternal death rates around the world are down. The less good news is we're not doing anywhere near enough to pull those rates down as fast and low as we must. Worldwide, maternal mortality fell by 43% in the 25-year period, 1990 to 2015, thanks in large part to access to better quality health services during pregnancy and childbirth, to sexual and reproductive health services, and family planning. But only nine countries have met the United Nations goal for reducing maternal mortality by 75% from 1990 rates. Those countries are the Maldives, Bhutan, Cambodia, Cape Verde, East Timor, Iran, Laos, Mongolia, and Rwanda. And um, they reduced their rates between 78 and 90% during those years. No, the U.S. is not on this success list. And in fact, we're one of only eight countries with a rising maternal mortality rate. If we're going to meet the new set of targets adopted by the United Nations in September in the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, That goal is we want to reduce maternal deaths to fewer than 70 deaths per 100,000 live births globally. If we're going to meet that goal, we're going to have to pick up the pace by more than triple what we've previously done. That means we need to keep talking, keep taking action, and keep making demands for better quality maternal health care for women all over the world. At this point in history, that should be considered a basic human right and one that we should be able to take for granted. Alas, that is not the case for most of the world's women, not even here in the United States. So women in countries that have the very best maternal health outcomes in the world, they have that human right on lock. They have universal health care and free women's and maternal health care for every woman. During pregnancy and childbirth, normal healthy women see midwives who have the best stats in terms of healthy outcomes for moms and babies. And women with complications see obstetricians and other specialists and have full access to the full range of interventions complicated pregnancies and births sometimes require. They have paid maternity leave, subsidized child care, and the kind of support many women can only dream about. 
But then, of course, there's the flip side of that story. Women who have so many resources and so much stuff that it's overwhelming. It's confusing to know what do you actually need, what's optional, and what's just too much. This is the case in terms of both healthcare and in terms of, you know, actual stuff, baby and pregnancy stuff. I write about that in my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, right up front in chapter one in the section titled, How Much Stuff Do You Need? When you visit a baby store for the first time as a soon-to-be parent, expect to have a panic attack. Sure, you've been to these stores before. You've shopped for baby shower presents. No big deal, right? Wrong. Shopping for one little gift is nothing compared to shopping in preparation for your baby's life. The list of essential products, furniture, clothes, and gear you're expected to purchase is so daunting and huge that unless you have a personal shopper and a never-ending bank account, you're going to freak out. Here's my best piece of advice on that. Relax. You don't actually need most of that stuff. Think back to every generation raised before about 100 years ago. That is, before commercial manufacturing, technology, and consumerism kicked into high gear. What did those babies need to survive babyhood? Somewhere for a baby to sleep, a bottom drawer of the dresser worked just fine, a couple dozen cloth diapers, some blankets and clothes, and maybe a toy. That's it. These babies survived childhood well enough that they created Greco-Roman architecture, the Industrial Revolution, cars, and penicillin. They survived the Great Depression, developed rock and roll. You get my point. It wasn't the stuff parents had when their babies were little that created their children's platform for growth. It was something else entirely. Somewhere along the line, we became the child-centered, consumer-driven society we are today, and marketers discovered that parents will buy all kinds of crap thinking they need it to raise a superior child. Sure, some of those products are genius. Baby wipes, comfortable baby carriers, Velcro diaper covers, disposable diapers, car seats, strollers. But an awful lot of it is absolutely unnecessary and I think creates competition, distraction, and insecurity among parents. Do you need a $1,000 stroller to help your baby go places in the world? Nope. A custom-made breastfeeding pillow to get the best latch? Nope. How about a top-of-the-line crib that converts into a toddler bed to cultivate good sleep habits? Nope. Toys that stimulate your baby's brain so he'll get into Harvard? Nope. Ergonomically designed silverware so your baby will develop manners, culinary discernment, and a refined palate? Nope, nope, nope. Here's what you need to get started. All right, I'm going to make you go get the book so that you see my list of what you need. Um, so today we're going to talk to Michelle Vick. She's co-founder of the Baby Box Company um, about what countries like Finland are doing right and about how she modeled her business on their successful model. Um, Baby Box Company has been really great about including um, my books in some of their boxes, and they've been really, really supportive of Common Sense Pregnancy. Um, so let's get Michelle on the line. Michelle Vick and Jennifer Clary have been best friends since childhood, and they were inspired to start the Baby Box Company when they learned about the baby boxes that are delivered to all expectant mothers in Finland. Michelle was a new mom herself, and she wished that she'd been sent something just like it when her daughter was born, instead of having to figure out exactly what she needed and which products were the best through the frustrating, lengthy, and expensive process of trial and error. She was also looking for a way to share her knowledge and experience with other moms. Her co-founder and partner, Jennifer, was looking for a way to use her entrepreneurship background to build a company that gives back, and thus, 
the Baby Box Company was born. Baby Box Company has been really generous to include my books in some of their boxes. And, um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about why Finland, Norway, and several other countries in Europe have the best maternal health outcomes in the world. It's no coincidence that these countries provide optimal support for mamas in terms of great medical care, maternity leave, midwifery support, and even in Finland, a baby box big enough to be baby's first bed and filled with all the essentials a baby needs right at the beginning. So today I'm talking to Michelle Vick, co-founder of the Baby Box Company, about this tradition and how it became the inspiration for her business. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jean. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. So, Michelle, tell me about you and tell me more of the story of how the Baby Box came to be. Well, you know, as you said, uh, when I first became a mom, I was completely overwhelmed. You know, I had no idea what I needed, what I didn't need. You know, you walk through a baby store and you don't know what anything is. You don't, you know, you don't know what's important. You don't know what isn't important. And it's just, you know, such a exciting, but very stressful time uh, for, you know, a, a pregnant woman. And um, it can so be overwhelming. Just, yes. Very yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I longed for some kind of new parent starter kit, and I couldn't really find anything out there. Um, and in addition to that, I was also, you know, like most new parents, um, terrified of SIDS and, and other sleep-related deaths. Um, you know, I'd read that it was the leading cause of death for infants between the age of one month and 12 months. And, you know, I was your your typical mom always checking in on the baby after she was born, you know, all in, in the middle of the night, even when the baby's sleeping, you can't help but run down and just check to make sure everything's okay. It's just, you know, like I said, it, it is such a wonderful time, but also such a stressful time. Yeah. And anyway, when I read about the Finnish baby box, um, my partner Jennifer and I were just completely blown away way by what a simple yet incredibly effective solution something like that can be for a new parent who's you know really struggling to figure out this this whole new world and who suddenly has this huge responsibility on their shoulders and you know wanting to do the best for their baby wanting to keep their baby safe wanting you know wanting everything the baby needs and and we just felt like Finland had found such the perfect solution. Um, and, you know, so we looked into it and we discovered that Finland, um, you know, they, they don't sell the boxes, they don't export them. Um, the program that they have set up is is purely a social service for the Finnish people. Um, all moms. And, all moms get yeah, one of these boxes. What did you say? All moms in Finland get oh, yes. these boxes. Yes, exactly. Every, every single mother in Finland receives one. Um, but the Finnish government is not interested in, you know, exporting them or expanding upon their program to, you know, to service other countries, of course. And so Jennifer and I decided to create our own prototype. Um, you know, it's it's we use the same materials, the same measurements, everything as the tried and true Finnish baby box. And um, we, you know, we, we spent the first year or so just working on testing, you know, getting all the safety certification for, for Europe, Australia, America, Canada. You know, there's a lot of, as, as you can imagine, there's a lot that you have 
go through, um, you know, whenever you're launching a, a baby product and safety is so important. I bet. Um, so we went through all that and, you know, we even improved upon the model a little bit to, to make the base of the bed uh, thicker and stronger mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. if if a mother was to lift the box and carry her child, um, we just want to ensure that there was no possible way for the bottom to break out. We, we've made it so that it's so durable you know, you can carry a, a rather heavy child and, and, you know, not run the risk of the box breaking in any way. I can imagine so, a few heavy toddlers would want to climb in that box. <laughs> you know, my uh, my four-year-old spends a lot of time in the box, so I, I can attest to that. <laughs> um, but anyway, after we launched, you know, we, we started out um, just kind of testing the waters and seeing you know, if other moms felt the same way that we had felt about this amazing product. Um, and, you know, to start off, we we knew that the box would sell as, you know, as a baby shower gift, a new mom gift. And so that took off pretty quickly. Um, but what grew even more quickly than we had thought um, was actually the uh, institutional buyer, um, you know, the vast majority of our work now is with hospitals, government agencies, and nonprofits who are looking to launch their own baby box programs modeled after the program in Finland. In um, what so countries? That, Where, which hospitals um, in what countries? Most, mostly in the U.S. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, m- mostly in the U.S. Um, we have some programs in Canada, like we're working with the Ministry of Human Services in Canada. They're launching, launching a a pilot program um, in just a couple of weeks, actually. Um, but but yeah, numerous nonprofits and hospitals, and you know, it's um, been really exciting for us to be able to you know bring the concept here and see it as you know see see it grow as more than just an awesome product for moms, but also something that can be developed into a program just like in Finland, which is really a dream come true for us to see that happen. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Finnish maternal health model that provides mom, all moms with a box. And that's been linked with helping to decrease Finland's infant mortality rate from 65 deaths for every thousand born in 1938 to three deaths per thousand births in 2013. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, the statistics are pretty impressive. Um, you know, as as you mentioned, they you know the infant mortality rates plummeted um, in the years that they've been using these boxes, and you know, part of the change is due to the fact that Finnish women had to attend all their prenatal exams in order to receive the maternity package. Uh-huh. Um, but the you know but then of course by just the fact that every single new child has a safe place to sleep which can't be said for, for any other country in the world is uh, you know it, it is pretty impactful um, and you know baby boxes they provide a convenient affordable safe place to sleep um, you know and they they simplify the rules of safe sleep you know the baby is alone um, you know there's you can't you know, obviously the parents aren't going to fit inside the baby box. It's, it's just for the baby, mm-hmm. um, which is so important, you know. But not you can pull it nearby on your bed for breastfeeding ease, things like exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, so the, the, you know, the baby can sleep alone in the box. Um, there's, you know, so there's, 
not the same concerns there are with co-sleeping or sleeping on a couch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be part of the reason people think it, uh, people don't put as many items inside of it because it's just, it's smaller. You know, it's a nice, cozy little spot for the baby. You can't even put in bumpers. There's not really room for stuffed animals or big blankets or anything like that. And, you know, the, the baby feels cozy and comfortable in this, you know, this small nice little spot. Right. Um, you know, the mattress is of course firm. There's no gaps around the edges. There's a fitted sheet. You know, we, we just make all these rules easy, you know, by providing all of this. Um, and then as you had mentioned, um, the baby box is perfect for room sharing, which has been associated with, you know, lower rates of SIDS. Um, because, you know, the, the baby can be right there in, in the baby box. You're not having to keep the baby in another room because the crib is so large or the, the playpen is so large. It's, you know, it's compact. It's uh, just, you know, just makes it easy and convenient for parents to keep the baby in the room. And, you know, as you said, you can bring the box into the bed. Um, you know, some parents do keep it in the middle of the bed in between them, mm-hmm. knowing that there's no risk of a parent rolling on top of the baby. Uh, because the box is there to keep the baby safe. So a, and, a lot the of mom, these... you know, without even having to get out of bed, can reach over, pick up the baby, and breastfeed easily. And and breastfeeding is also associated with the lower lower risk of SIDS. So a lot of the attributes that the box provides are really associated with the tips for preventing SIDS. And exactly. for listeners who don't know much about it, um, sudden infant death syndrome. Um, it's a scary, scary thing that just strikes terror in every mother's heart. And there are some simple things that you can do to, to prevent it. And I don't want, you know, reader or listeners to be afraid that this is something that impacts a lot of babies. Do you know the stats, Michelle? I can look them up, but. Uh, I should, (laughs) I I should, but I don't have them at the top of my, or at the tip of my tongue right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to Uh, look that up. They vary so much depending on, you know, which community, which state you're working with. Yeah, yeah. Um, But but yes, you're right. It is, it is very rare. um, And there are steps you can take to drastically reduce the risk of, of SIDS. And I think a big part of Just having babies sleep on their back alone. You know, ever since the Back to Sleep campaign started in, uh, I think it was 94, I mean, it saved thousands of lives. I mean, I I believe it was that the SIDS rate plummeted by 50%, something like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. huge. So there are really simple steps you can take. You know, other things are, you know, not not smoking, um, uh, getting the baby's vaccinations on schedule, um, Actually, using a pacifier, you know, after the first month, once breastfeeding has been established, I mean, there, you know, there are a lot of things out there that studies have shown do lower the risk of SIDS. Yeah, yeah. Attending prenatal visits. All of that. It's all all connected. Yeah. So, Michelle, I have been talking to a lot of mothers lately about the U.S. maternity leave scramble, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it meant it's mentioned somewhere on your site that you were a new mom when you guys dreamed up the business. And I'm kind of wondering if any of that was born out of your need to return to work. I mean, so many women, you know, they, they, since we don't have paid maternity leave here in the United States, they might only have a couple of weeks or six or 12 at the most. And then 
their, you know, savings have run out. Their daycare is expensive. They have to go back to work. And it's a, you know, what are we supposed to do? And I'm kind of wondering if that was part of why you became so creative in generating this new business. Well, I'm very, very lucky in that I did have a choice as to whether or not I could return to the workforce or work as a stay stay at home mother. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, but but honestly, since having children, um, having my own business, making my own hours has been a top priority. I mean, it's it, I, you know I, I can't tell you how lucky I feel and how grateful I am that. I, you know, was able to co-found this company that enables me to have a more flexible schedule than if I worked a traditional nine to five job. Yeah. It just, it, you know, it hurts my heart to think about all the moms who have zero say in the matter and don't have a choice whether or not they can return to work after spending such a brief time with their baby. I'm I'm sure you read the recent New York Times editorial by Amber Scora about her son, Carl, who passed away on his first day back at daycare. Um, she just, you know, she writes about how in America, I mean, just, we have this culture where women are expected to give birth, spend, you know, a couple weeks with a baby back to work. I mean, it's just, it's not natural. It, it doesn't support the mom. It doesn't support the family. Um, you know, I, I feel that the old model of what an office should look like is just incredibly outdated today when we have email, cell phones, Skype, video conferencing, and it's, it's a true detriment to families, you know, and obviously just the government not supporting new parents in the same way that other countries do, such as Scandinavian countries, like you mentioned earlier. Right. I mean, right. I'm definitely seeing a lot of moms, you know, starting their own businesses, freelancing, working on projects as opposed to traditional nine to five jobs, um, right. you know, just getting very creative. You know, there are so many women out there who want, you know, who, who are struggling with, the you know juggling a career, juggling a job, paying the bills with this amazing and and fleeting time that they have to you know take care of their newborn infants. Right, right. It is the biggest challenge of motherhood for many many of us. It is, is that division of labors, division of passions. It's so challenging. I know, and and you know sometimes I feel. Uh, like I'm spread so thin, like I'm, you know, like, like things are piling up at the office and, and my kids need me. And I really don't believe you can have it all. I believe that, you know, you can't be the stay at home mom who gets to see the first step, the first giggle, the first smile, and also working late, going out to work dinners, you know, uh, catching up on emails on the weekend. I mean, we only have so many hours in the day and uh, you know whenever I do feel stressed and overwhelmed and like I'm failing as a mom and you know not getting what I everything that I need done at the office I just try myself of how lucky I am to be able to have both and, and attain somewhat of a balance yeah because uh, I just you know I, I know how rare that is and how difficult it is to attain yeah yeah and I know yeah. and you know, of course I have so many mom friends who I can commiserate with, you know, some of them are full-time stay-at-home moms who are completely overwhelmed being a stay-at-home mom and, you know, who who miss certain aspects of being in the office and, you know, the mental stimulation with other adults. Um, 
And then the opposite, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who work really long hours and, you know, maybe love their jobs and, or love the paycheck, but, you know, really miss getting to spend, you know, these, all these wonderful, precious moments with their child. So it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. definitely hard for mothers. Are you optimistic that change is coming for mothers in America? I'm, I'm tentatively optimistic about the future. So many women who are being creative, finding ways to freelance, you know, start their own companies, um, work on a project by project basis. Um, and then also some companies that are, you know, allowing, allowing parents to telecommute, um, to job share, um, to telecommute, you know, to, to work on projects, um, to work part time. I mean, I am seeing a little bit of headway being made, but it, it is it, it is pretty slow in coming. So and, and a lot of that what, flexibility. What well, I think a what lot of that think? flexibility has to do with industries that are computer related, office related. Yeah, you know, for a lot of women, that's just not how it works. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, my previous career was as a nurse. You can't conference that in. Um, Waitresses, um, you know, people that are doing, I just wish that this was a privilege that could be offered to all mothers in America. No, it's it's very true. Yeah. I am. It's definitely a very small, very specific type of job where a woman is able to do that. Right. And, it and I understand re- with some jobs, it, it is really challenging. I mean, you know, like you were saying, if if you're a waitress, you can't really do that from home. You know, right. if, if you're a nurse, how are you supposed to take, you know, how are you supposed you to can. be taking care of patients from yeah. home? It's 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 definitely a challenge. Um, and I definitely know some young women are, you know, keep that in mind when choosing what their, you know, their career path, what they're going to be doing. But not everyone has a choice. And mm. And it is really sad. I mean, I'm. It just, you know, pulls on my heartstrings every time I read a story about, you know, some woman who has no maternity leave, just had a baby, doesn't have the money to quit her job. There's no way to telecommute because she's, you know, a waitress or she's working in a factory or whatever it may be, and 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 is barely even making any money after the cost of daycare. So it's just, right. it's it's really sad and. I very, very much hope that we will be able to change that in some way in the near future. It's just, it's not fair for, you know, families to be treated like that. Well, I think that it's going to be through conversations like this, where people become aware of what the issues really are, that, you know, I'm optimistic we will see change. So I wanted to also talk about your new project, Baby Box University. And I'm particularly excited about this because I get to participate. So do you want to talk about what it is? Sure. Um, Baby Box University, it's an online educational portal. Um, All members can access hundreds of short, easy to understand videos. They're on topics ranging from conception all the way through the first 18 months of baby's life. Um, and these videos feature experts uh, such as yourself, uh, along with uh, various pediatricians, obstetricians, doulas, lactation consultants, psychologists. Um, you know, we just feel like there are so many experts out there who have such outstanding advice to offer people. 
um, that we're just trying to compile the best of the best into these, you know, really digestible, easy to understand videos. So new parents can just log into the site and, and click on the video that is, you know, most relevant to answer their question, and within a minute or two have a helpful answer. Because, uh, you know, we just know how hard it is when you are a new parent and there's just so much information and you want to do the best for your child. But even the littlest things, you know, like, you know, what should I do about teething? What should I, what are things I can do to help stimulate my child's brain early on? You know, what are things I shouldn't be doing? Um, there's so much information out there and it's really important to us to make it, you know, to, to help make it easier to digest and just more accessible to I think parents. that the video, the video format is going to make it super accessible to young parents today because that is a primary source of learning and knowledge right now is video. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. That's how we feel. That that's how we feel. And you know, some of our partners, um, like certain nonprofits that we work with, say that literacy is also a bit of an issue um, with with you know some of their. The people that they work with, and videos, of course, make it much easier to communicate beyond just the pamphlets we can fit in the box. But now, this you know, this whole array of videos that can be accessed online. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. When does it launch? Uh, you know, it has just launched in beta, uh, but we're tweaking it and adding to it and making some changes. So. You know, we should have um, a, a more updated version within the next couple of weeks. But it, but we, we have a, you know, like I said, we have a beta version up now. Cool. Very cool. So I'd like to close with a question that I like to talk to. I like to ask everybody, what is your family like right now? And where are you in your life as a mom? Well, I am in the thick of it right now. I have two daughters, a one-year-old and an almost four-year-old. Um, the four-year-old is named Sawyer, and the baby is named Willa. Oh, pretty. And, Love those uh, names. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I mean, having two small children is so much work. and But it's also so much fun. Um, you know, they're absolutely adorable. I, the sibling relationship is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I mean, they mm -hmm. they run after each other. They make each other laugh. They just they they already have a friendship, which I didn't think would happen because I know my my brother and I basically fighted. Or excuse me, I know my brother and I basically fought until we were in college. I mean, you know, we 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 were always fighting. Uh -huh. and so it's really nice to see that um, you know my daughters have this great relationship. I mean, I'm sure there will be plenty of fights, and I'm, I'm sure there will be some bumps in the road. But it's it's pretty adorable to see how much they connect already. And there is just nothing better than to have a sister for life. I know. What I know. A gift, huh? I know. That's how yeah. I feel. I, I was always jealous of girls who had sisters. There's something <laughs> about that relationship. It's pretty good. I have a bunch of them. And I'm raising oh. a bunch of them. So it's oh, nice. what's, what are your kids, ages and So just... I have three daughters, a son, and a niece who are all mine. My youngest is 15, oh. and uh, my niece is the oldest, and she's 31. So I'm a, nice. I'm a, little, a little bit further down the motherhood road than you are. But four girls and a boy. Oh. 
I'm I'm open to any advice or suggestions you have. Just <laughs> hang on, crazy. Mama. Just hang it's on. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, good. Well, Michelle, this has been a lovely conversation, and I really appreciate your support and uh, love hearing all about the Baby Box Company. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. We're a big fan of yours, and you know we're we're so excited to be featured on this podcast. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Look forward to it. Bye bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. My mama said. My guest today was Michelle Vick, co-founder of The Baby Box Company. You can learn more about The Baby Box Company and Baby Box U at babyboxco.com. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studio in Portland, Oregon. You can find my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere books are sold. You can see more of my work on my website, genefaulkner.com. If you have questions, email me at gene at genefaulkner.com. Thanks for joining me on Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. And please, subscribe, share, and leave us a rating on iTunes if you feel like it. Thanks for joining me, and let's keep talking. Mama said